This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash TheObsessiveViewer. And also find our uh, live event at ShocktoberInIrvington.com. Uh, yeah, I'm the aforementioned Matt Hurt. Uh, Tiny, how's it going? It's going good. Nice, nice. We were just talking about how hydrated you are and everything so. i am hydrated yes that's very good hydrated is high nice nice that's not how it works not so much not so much um can i i don't know why i'm even gonna bring this up uh stupid thing i like i i like drinking like ice cold water mm-hmm. like there's some like it's so freaking refreshing yes it is um but i also like love Apple juice and orange juice. Oh, apple juice is my jam. Oh my god, it tastes so freaking good. Yes, it does. Um, and like, I, I'll have these fantasies. <laughs> like, you know, this is so, this is so inside my head. <laughs> you know how, like, you go to like a movie theater, or restaurant, and they have the Coke freestyle machines where you can just kind of. Yes. Yeah, like those are great. Uh, by the way, pro tip, if you go to the movie theater and you get like, uh, like that, get, um, Barks, Cream, uh, red cream ale, red cream soda. No, uh, vanilla cream. Ooh, vanilla cream. Yeah, soda. vanilla cream soda. Um, fill like most of the, it up with that, and then do the orange flavor, and it's like an orange cream cycle. It Ooh, is delicious. That sounds good. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I'll have these fantasies that like, oh, when I become a billionaire podcaster, <laughs> um, I want to have one of those machines that is just that is just ice cold water. And then if I want, like, I can switch it over to just uh, to orange juice or <laughs> apple juice. Oh my god! Or chocolate milk, like because, at, like at a hotel. Yeah. They have those like those juice things for the continental breakfast. Oh yeah, 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 but a little more flashier and okay, yeah. <laughs> continental. <laughs> nice. Love being in continent. <laughs> Love being in continent. <laughs> oh, key and peel. No, but I work at a lot of hotels, mm-hmm. and like I go there first thing in the morning, and I'm like. Apple juice machine, beeline. Nice. Go straight for that fucking thing and throw back. Like while I'm there, I throw back at least three, four glasses. See, so. And it's it's kind of weird. Well, it's not weird, but it's like probably dangerous for our health and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. It tastes so freaking that in orange juice. juice. It's like yeah, OJ. Yeah, it's funny because like I'll go on, I'll get like Amazon, uh, like I, I'm lazy, so like I'll order stuff on like Amazon Prime now, mm-hmm. just groceries that they deliver to your door. Um, I'll get like, I'll get like at a time like five or six like gallons of water because tap water here is terrible. Yeah. Um, and then I'll also get like four, four or five like uh 56 ounce i don't know if it's 56 ounce but things of orange juice dang <laughs> yeah and then like like i have like a few in my fridge now but like and then i'll go on facebook and i'll be like oh tropicana advertising <laughs> it's like i'm already doing my part guys that's hilarious yeah but anyway that that's a tangent right off the bat that was a tangent yeah <laughs> yeah uh so yeah a couple things to kind of talk about by the way we're going to be doing an extended potpourri episode kind of the uh w- 
we were supposed to, I was supposed to do an episode with Kirsten last the, for this week um that it was going to be a review of Overlord and a few other movies that she and I had seen in the theater but unfortunately she last week got the stomach flu mm. And so she like we still saw saw Overlord, but she's like I don't really feel like doing the whole because we were gonna kind of make a day of it, like go see Overlord, watch a couple episodes of TV, and then record an episode. Uh, and she's like, so, but she was feeling like a hundred percent or not a hundred percent, but almost almost a hundred percent. She's like, I still can see the movie, so we saw the movie. Mm. So we're gonna postpone that to next week. Kirsten and I are going to do a movie theater potpourri. And, uh, yeah, she said, she said that, uh, let's postpone it to next weekend. Um, even if I, even if my eyes are falling out of my head, I should still be able to do it. <laughs> and she, she said, uh, she said, you don't need eyes to talk into a microphone. That's what I always say. <laughs> so I'm like, yep, that is your catchphrase. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, so look forward to that. Um, few other things to kind of get through. Um, I revamped the Patreon reward tiers, um, <laughs> so that, and this is, I'm gonna probably edit them further so that they actually have rewards, but as of right now, there's no, like, rewards for it. <laughs> so, like, if you wanna give us money, you can, it's kinda stupid. I, well, I'm, I don't know, but anyway, um, so we don't have the, like, oh, pick a review, pick a, pick a topic or anything, just because that, that gets kind of, uh, it makes me anxious. <laughs> so, yeah, gotcha. Uh, especially when like one of them's for anthology, and I haven't touched that podcast in like nine months. <laughs> um, but but you know, I may be rebirthing it or something. I don't know. Rebirthing. <laughs> I'm gonna be kicking up anthology soon. Um, but yeah. So anyway, there's revamped Patreon reward tiers. Um, we do have, uh, the one thing that you can do is if you become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer at any amount, like minimum $1, it'll get you access to a, um, specialized RSS feed, um, a private RSS feed that is just, um, commentary tracks that I record and, uh, we're doing these little B roll things where we're talking, just kind of doing basically what the first 20 minutes of this episode has been <laughs> um just for patreon so check that out and then also uh i think last time in the stinger of the episode i talked about how i was busy updating the episode uh, uh, updating the website a little bit um just wanted to give you guys um an update that now all of the episode homepage urls are up to date so basically now if, like if we ever if we ever say Oh, back in OV25, like if you want to go to that episode, it is obsessiveviewer.com slash OV25 or OV025. Okay. Um, and then like episode, episode one would be OV001 and then, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so all of those links are, are good. Also, the archive has been updated to reflect those links. So if you go to, uh, basically ovpodcast.com is our full archive. Um, so yeah, so that's an update on that. And then also, uh, Kirsten and Fekus are now officially recurring co-hosts. Mm -hmm. Um, Tiny, are you okay with that? Totally. Okay, good. good. Yeah. Uh, um, I think we talked about it last time too. The more the merrier. Yeah. So, so yeah, so they'll, uh, it's exciting. Um, yeah, so there is a bit of news. Uh, we don't really do news on extended potpourri, I don't think, but uh, this is worth mentioning because it's you know 
kind of sad, but uh, Stan Lee passed away. He sure did. Yeah, at age 95. Mm-hmm. Um, and this will be interesting. So, um, like, I know a lot of people were affected by it because Stan Lee is a legend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I always think about, like, something that Mike said around the time, like, Leonard Nimoy died, um, that he he doesn't really get, like, upset when, like, celebrities die when they reach, like, a certain age. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of had a thing where I was like, oh, that's, that's really sad that Stanley died. But I mean, holy crap, like he lived to be 95 and like, I was so like, I think it's, it's really incredible that he, that he lived, lived that long and that he lived long enough to see his, to see his legacy (laughs) turn into legend. (laughs) Absolutely. The, like him being able to see his creation, his life's work like attain a level of ubiquitousness ubiquity um some one of those i don't, yeah. honestly, I don't know <laughs> yeah i think it's ubiquity um, ubiquity sounds right that is that is like uh, people <laughs> a very very few people will ever see in their lifetime yes um like that's just something i just really I'm I'm happy for Stanley for that yeah. reason. And the guy had a hell of a run. I mean, he yeah. was he hasn't worked hasn't really had to work in mm. decades. Right. Because of just the success of all his past mm-hmm. work and how it's taken off in other mediums and he he remained active on like uh the convention circuits yeah. and appearing in public and on podcasts and mm. on TV shows and talk shows. Up until his 90s. Like, I think maybe just last year, or maybe a little bit before that, last year and a half maybe, he stopped appearing in public. I think so. I think for health reasons. I don't really know the full extent, but, I mean, he was 92, 93, out there Mm. trucking along, showing no signs of stopping. Oh, yeah. And the guy just had a a great... I don't don't think... I can't speak for the man, obviously, but I can't imagine he has many regrets. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean... Um, yeah, just in- incredible. Like, and just the the service he provided for us in terms of entertainment is like, I mean, it's like I said, it's it's legend. It's legendary mm-hmm. status. Like, people equate like comic books to like our uh, <laughs> people attribute it. I think this is a reference to Unbreakable, but. <laughs> <laughs> As like our modern like mytho- mytholo- uh, modern mythology essentially, mm-hmm. um, and like he was obviously extremely integral to to that, mm-hmm. and it's just incredible the breadth of his work. Yeah, I, I I I never had any illusions that he wasn't that much of an that he wasn't an icon. Like obviously he mm-hmm. is. But there, uh, I haven't watched the show recently, but uh, the show Comic Book Men, mm-hmm. um, he showed up at that, 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 that's a reality show about a comic book store in New Jersey right. owned by uh, Kevin Smith. For those who don't know, it is currently streaming on Amazon prime, I believe. Okay, cool. Um, I, I watched like the first season or two and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, but he showed up at the store in one of the episodes and like the, the characters of the show, the guys who work at that store, like got to just stand there and like ask him questions that's and awesome. the looks on their faces. Like these were men in their, these are men in their forties. Mm hmm. And they literally looked like kindergartners <laughs> looking at Barney. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like just, like just completely 
eyes sparkling with joy mm-hmm. uh listening to this man talk about his work and i was like that's there's not a lot of people who can do that to grown right. men you know that's and it's 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 just pure nostalgia i think on their part mm-hmm. um but it's just, it, just it was just inc- incredible of, yeah. yeah the influence of the man's work is just kind of palpable i guess absolutely his his yeah he's an icon yeah an and icon. uh that is actually a good segue to um the controversy um, have you heard about, uh, um, Bill Maher's yeah. thing? I know you're a fan of Bill Maher. Yeah. He's such a dick. <laughs> he, he, well, he can yeah. be, I've, I've always said he's kind of a dick, but, mm-hmm. um, and I don't watch his show anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, I've kind of lost interest in the whole short form talk show thing. His show's mm-hmm. better than a lot of the talk, sh- than a lot of the like CNN talking head shows, but, uh, mm-hmm. It's still not. I'm a a podcast person now. That's the best way. That's the best way to interview people is long form. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I've lost a lot of interest in his show. But I still think he's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I heard what he said, and it's just I don't know if he was trolling, trying to. I I have a feeling that sometimes he comments on things just to be controversial and Mm -hmm. get some attention. Yeah, maybe this was one of those. But he was just way off base. Yeah, I'll read a couple excerpts from it. It was just a blog post that he did um, Saturday, the 17th, um, on the Real Time with Bill Maher blog. Um, the title is Adulting. And uh, let's see. It starts out with, The guy who created Spider-Man and the Hulk has died, and America is in mourning. Deep, deep mourning for a man who inspired millions to, I don't know, watch a movie, I guess? Someone on Reddit posted, I'm so incredibly grateful I lived in a world that included Stan Lee. Uh, end quote. Uh, personally, I'm grateful I lived in a world that included oxygen and trees, but to each his own. I'm not going to read all of it. I mean, it's only like three paragraphs, but um, there was one thing that I wanted to point out. Uh, by, but then 20, year, 20, years, 20 years or so ago, something happened. Adults decided they didn't have to give up kid stuff. And so they pretended comic books were actually sophisticated literature. And because America has over 4,500 colleges, which means we need more professors than we have smart people, some dumb people got to be professors by writing theses with titles like Otherness and Heterodoxy and The Silver Surfer. And now when adults are forced to do grown-up things like buy auto insurance, they call it adulting and act like it's some giant struggle. Basically, he's – I agree. He's hes just kind of a dick. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean the, his point about like, oh, because you buy car insurance, it's hashtag adulting. That's silly. I'll give him that. Yeah. But th- yeah. this isn't an example of that. It's not. It's, uh, it's – People being nostalgic for things they enjoyed in their childhood. What the fuck? You're, yeah. you're criticizing people for that? Yeah. The hell? I, yeah. And like, who calls comic books sophisticated literature? Well, I do think that they're, they're, they're literature. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Glass and Unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> they're literature and they're, we keep, I keep going back to this word, but they're, they're, um, iconic. Yeah. They're iconic. They're, and they're, they're thematically important. Like they use, they're good teaching tools because mm-hmm. I, th- I think a lot of them are very structured and they use a lot of literary structure. So they're good ways to teach people, aka kids who mm-hmm. need to be taught things. It's a good way to get kids to learn how to write and how to build characters and like it's what's story- important in storytelling. Yeah. It's a storytelling medium. Right. It's like, yeah, and who and, gives a fuck how sophisticated it is? That right. doesn't matter. It's about how much you can enjoy it, and about 
again, these broad themes that people enjoy. It's like, I, I think, I think he's way off base. Me too. And, and also just, just to stem any outcry or anything, uh, like the, I think there are like kind of sophisticated, like comment, like, yeah, I'm yeah, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that right. you're saying like you're not in bill mars camp right somebody brought up like neil Neil gaiman yeah like the sandman which i haven't read but i've heard incredible things about you know it's not it's not zing and pow and it's it's like it's right it is there's a there is sophistication yeah a lot of stuff like in stanley's oeuvre like uh like the x-men i mean right they dealt with like incredibly deep kind of uh uh socioeconomic or socio so uh socio kind of thing i don't know um, like kind of like social issues right like like civil rights kind of civil rights yeah kind of uh, allegory yeah yeah um and then also just the way that he ends it the the blog post says i don't think it's a huge stress to suggest that donald trump could only get elected in a country that thinks comic books are important i'm just like i kind of feel like the people that are like really into comic books and stuff the majority of them probably didn't vote for trump, i agree it's fine yeah um but anyway, uh, the I guess the estate of Stanley or Stanley's representatives uh, responded and said that like it's a like they were disgusting comments and that uh, they likened or they said that um, they called out him saying that wow uh, uh, that comic books are not sophisticated literature and then they're like well they also said that about. Um, like Charles Dickens novels and, mm. and like they gave examples of classic literature that wasn't right. respected. It reminded me of uh, situations where people who I respect and look up to, which Bill Martin necessarily fall into that. Right. But uh, when they say something that I disagree with vehemently, like mm-hmm. when uh, Roger Ebert said that uh, video, video games. games are not art yeah, um, or Christopher Hitchens, who is absolutely one of my idols, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a whole entry uh, about uh, how, women comedians are not fu- are not funny oh did he really like women aren't funny yeah wow. and i was like ooh, that's no <laughs> sorry yeah um yeah so like it, it it reminded me of that it wasn't necessarily that because i don't think bill maher is that important frankly yeah and like not as important as roger d britton christopher hitchens right and like yeah. w- when it comes to like christopher hitchens and like uh like richard dawkins and like the and Bill Maher falls into that camp too, in my mind. Uh, just like they kind of seem like they're trying to provoke people and they're trying to be, yeah, edgy, contrarian and edgy. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, Christopher Hitchens isn't trying anymore. No, not so much. <laughs> he did. He's gone. But, um, but no, Bill Maher, Bill Maher is someone who always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And this just yeah. doesn't really do much for me. Yeah. I, I, th- I think he's, I think he's funny still. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, you know, the, you can get into a whole political thing, and yeah. I disagree with him on some stuff, and agree with him on some others. So, it kind of, and maybe this is kind of off base for me to say because I'm not, you know, plugged into his brand of entertainment or information or anything, or I'm not part of his fan base really. Mm-hmm. But it kind of feels like maybe this part of it could just be um, trolling for relevance or uh trolling for some kind of attention attention yeah yeah um i agree yeah but i don't know but anyway that's enough about that um yeah i just canceled hbo so <laughs> i'm not gonna see <laughs> did you really time. yeah well okay uh yeah because comcast uh basically after when you sign up and each year the contract ends so they bump up your uh bump up your bill quite a bit 
And they did that in like April, and I just never got. Around. It was like an extra like twenty five bucks a month. Yeah, and I just never got around to calling them and fixing it or getting a like a new one. Gotcha. And then so, so I was just like, uh, yeah, well, it's it's really expensive now, <laughs> and I don't like that. So I like I called them and I was like, hey, is there any way I can like get this down like to a more manageable level? Um, because I keep I kept having to pay late and i hate doing that right um so uh they were like yeah well we have this plan that's actually more it's a bigger uh internet package but you don't have hbo or anything i'm like that's fine (laughs) (laughs) i have everything else and when game of thrones comes back or when something comes up on hbo i'll just get hbo now and pay 15 bucks for a month and watch it right so good call Yep. So anyway, uh, yeah. So that's to say, I'm not going to see real time with Bomar anytime soon. Yeah. Um, any real time soon. Huh. Uh, okay. So this week on the podcast, we are doing extended potpourri. Also, just real quick, um, I'm hoping to get this posted by, by Thanksgiving. So we're recording this Tuesday. Thanksgiving is, of course, Thursday. I'm going to have this posted Wednesday night. So if you're traveling for Thanksgiving and you're listening to us, thank you and drive safe and, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. Happy Turkey Day. Uh, yes. So we're going to do extended potpourri. So this is basically an extension of the potpourri section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, stuff we've watched lately, things we're looking forward to, what have you. Um, and so this is just an extension of that to where we're doing it for the full episode. And we each have a few things that we want to kind of bring up and yeah. Tiny, how many things do you have? I have three. Tres. Three. Tres. Uh, okay, I have got five, but two of them are pretty brief. So I'm going to get us kicked off okay. with that. Uh, so two things. These are the brief ones, and then I'll, I'll kick it over to you. Um, both semi-related. Um, the Shield. I haven't, I haven't been watching it. Mm-hmm. But I just want to mention that since we're getting this posted on Thanksgiving, uh, this Sunday, um, the 26th, 25th, um, 25th. of November. Yeah. November 25th, um, is the 10 year anniversary of the shields series finale. Yeah, it doesn't feel like 10 years. It really doesn't. Yeah. And we've, we've talked a lot about the shield kind of in passing throughout the 258 episodes of this podcast, <laughs> but the shield for me is one of my all time favorite TV series of all time. Yeah. And it is, it still st- stands out to me as one of the, one of the most perfect endings to a series. Yes. Um, just the way, like the, the last half of the last season is just astounding to me. Um, and also it is coming out on Blu-ray for the first time ever here in a few weeks on December 11th. And I can't wait to get my hands on that freaking Blu-ray. <laughs> um, they've, uh, they've, they, it's, uh, in HD, uh, widescreen HD. They, they, um, so what's the word I'm looking for? They reformatted, remastered, remastered. And, uh, it is also in HD on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, check it out on there. Right. But yeah, I'm just, I was thinking about that cause I, I, I kind of just, uh, was browsing, you know, the internet when I should have been working, but, <laughs> um, no, not, not really. But, um, I was browsing, uh, like I saw something about how it's, you know, been 10 years. It was an article or something. And I was thinking about like, holy shit, like, I can't believe it's been that long. And like, I remember like watching the series finale. <laughs> like, yeah, it was when you and I worked third shift. We mm-hmm. worked as security guards, and like, I think, I think it was before. There might have been the morning after a shift. I don't know, but um, 
the sh- the episode aired. I think it was on Tuesdays, and so I worked that night and then came home. That's what it was. I came home and like I remember like laying in bed watching it on like because it was back when like I had DVR and stuff, mm-hmm. and like I watched it on DVR and I was like watching it and it was just God oh, so great. But anyway. The Shield is amazing, and it's coming out on Blu-ray. I can't wait, and I suggest you guys buy it. You said it's on Hulu, too? It is on Hulu. The whole thing? Mm-hmm. I might try to get Paige into that. Nice. She'd nice. like it. She likes Sons of Anarchy, so... Oh, no. oh she'll love The Shield, then. Uh, yeah, I think she'll oh, like yeah. it. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Very nice. Um, then the other thing I was going to bring up real quick is that on that same kind of note, on a whim, um, I started watching NYPD Blue. Really? Um, yeah, just for shits and giggles. I think I talked about it a while ago because I watched like part of the first episode at one point, mm-hmm. um, and then Hulu or Amazon like dropped it, so I, did, I could, didn't have it anymore. But it's back on there now. It's actually on both streaming services on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And the kind of weird thing, the kind of dilemma that I'm having <laughs> is that, and I'll talk about the actual show in a moment. But the dilemma I'm having is that I like to move it, move it. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I like to, oh, well, not so much recently because I've been listening to podcasts a lot, but I kind of like having stuff, something playing in the background on my phone while I'm working. Um, and one of the great benefits of that is, or one of the great things about the era we live in is that like Amazon prime, you can download them directly to your phone Yeah, and you can have like it. There's no like streaming issues or anything like that. It's just right there on your phone. Um, the problem that I'm having is that for some reason, I don't understand why this is a thing, but like Netflix or not Netflix, but Hulu and Amazon both have NYPD blue Amazon's version of it is, Four by three aspect ratio, so it's like the square box, mm-hmm. um, uh, standard definition, everything. But Hulu has like anamorphic widescreen HD for it, so like, so it kind of sucks because I can't. And granted, it's a, it's a phone, so and I'm not even really watching it at work or anything, but um, just the option of it. But like, it's a phone, so I mean, watching something in standard definition isn't a big deal. Yeah, but it's just like, kind of weird that like one streaming service has a arguably higher quality kind of thing. That is interesting. Yeah. Spe- speaking of that voodoo, oh, I feel like yes. voodoo, like they stream like an HDX or whatever. Yeah, man. Like I wish my internet could freaking handle it. Oh it, really? It can't because wow. it just looks freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't know what it is that they do differently yeah. than other services. I mean, it takes more bandwidth, but right. it's worth it. Nice. That's how I watched, uh, uh, Shape of Water. Oh, nice! Which oh, I remember. You I watched it in about 4K that. on Voodoo, and it was mm. truly unbelievable. Nice. So, you have a yeah. 4K TV. We do, yes. Too. Nice. Yeah. I need to upgrade yeah. my TV at some point. Totes. Yeah. Black Friday, bro. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, if I had money, <laughs> right? That's true. You gotta yeah. have that. So, sorry, but, didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, no, you're fine. Uh, but anyway, to actually talk about the content of NYPD Blue, I've watched like two episodes. Um, it's really good. It's very 90s. Yeah. Um, but it's gritty 90s. Uh, there's, there, in the first, like, two episodes, or I think I've watched three episodes, I'm not sure, but, um, the action scenes, like, there, there are scenes where, like, individuals get shot. Yeah. Kind of point blank. Uh, well, very point blank range. Mm -hmm. But, um, the way that they do that for, like, 90s network TV kind of censorship, I guess, is that when they fire the gun, 
the sh- the the camera shakes in slow motion. Oh boy! And everything, everyone's like everything's blurry, and it's supposed to be like a oh, like kind of a a a, a dazed effect. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But the music that's playing is very like '90s kind of. Uh, I I almost want to say like synthy kind of music. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's very it's. It's not like the dramatic, like like the ER theme music. A little bit, kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's what like I think that. of, like nineties. Yeah, yeah. kind of like that, only more like cheesy and gotcha over the top. But wow, yeah. But the actual show, it's it's fun. I, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying watching it. Um, is that is Richard Belzer on that one, or is that that's Law and Order? Law and Order. Yeah, okay. NYPD Blue has Dennis Franz and in the first season at least. Um, okay, David Caruso. Um, gotcha. Okay. Which is interesting because David Caruso, his character was supposed to be the lead character, hmm. um, and then I guess at some point they're like, "Oh, well, you know, Sipowitz is a more interesting character, so let's make him the central character." Gotcha. Um, he kind of, I feel like he probably kind of urkled the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how my PD blew. I'll, I might talk more about it later, or who knows? I may just not watch anymore, <laughs> I, uh, given my history who knows gotcha uh, but cool. yeah so tiny what do you got uh the first thing i have uh, is a documentary that i watched mm-hmm. um net i don't know if if netflix does this intentionally but they have like uh a uh a full card of like documentaries about like uh like strongmen for lack of a better word mm-hmm. or like bodybuilders uh, sure. who are compete at like the elite level um and they they released another one recently uh some of the ones that i had watched in the past were uh generation iron mm-hmm. uh they had a sequel to that generation iron 2 um and then one was called uh strongman eddie or eddie strongman i'm not sure which mm-hmm. um uh, who's the, he's the strongest man in Britain. Um, so it was, um, I mean, I've watched those and, and I just, I'm very fascinated by the sport of bodybuilding, but more important, more so like just strong man competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big guy and I used to lift weights and stuff. And right. like, so I, I kind of have a, a, a reference for how difficult it is to, you know, lift heavy weights. And I'm just, stunned and amazed by what these guys are capable of doing and it's i love the competitions i think they're incredible um is the strongman thing is it like is it is it the kind of like guys pulling semis with their teeth or something or is that yes okay yeah it's like that over the top like weightlifting essentially like gotcha bodybuilding is where you just display yourself mm-hmm. you pump up and display yourself male um, modeling yourself. yeah right <laughs> modeling your muscles whereas strongman is where you have to like lift the weights competitively mm-hmm. um and so um the one that i recently saw that was recently released is called born strong mm-hmm. um and it's about it's it's really interesting in strongman competitions right now there are four guys that are really like elite like could be the greatest of all time and they're all at their peak at the same time um the one of the more interesting guys well they're all interesting but uh the more notable guy is brian shaw from colorado from the united states he won world's strongest man competition four times he's won the arnold classic a couple times uh those are the two like pinnacles of strongman competition um he's six foot ten weighs 420 pounds Jesus. just an immense mountain of a man uh he, he would make me look small and i'm a pretty big guy <laughs> he says his name is brian shaw brian shaw that's yeah it's funny because we went to high school with brian shaw. yeah yeah not him <laughs> is it I, I confuse his name all the time oh okay 
Is it Brian Shaw? Yeah, Brian Shaw. Yeah, oh, okay. That's his name. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, he's fascinating to watch. Uh, another guy's, his name is Zadrunas Saviskas. He's a Lithuanian guy. He's won the Arnold Classic like eight times, uh, World's Strongest Man four times. Uh, and he's, he's also interesting because he's like 40 years old. So he's reaching oh, the, wow. end, the end of his competitive, uh, competitiveness. Um, he's like six, four, 400 pounds. Jeez. Huge guy. Um, and then, I'm sure a lot of people will recognize this name, uh, Hapthor Bjornsson, who plays the mountain on Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's an Icelandic gentleman. Uh, he's about 6'9", 6'10", 400 pounds. Just, a, again, a mountain of a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, one of the most interesting guys is uh, this guy, Eddie... Um, Eddie... What's his last name? I should know this. Um, Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall from uh, Great Britain. He's... He's kind of the underdog because uh, he's undersized at six foot three, four hundred pounds. He's undersized. Oh, what a um, shrimp! Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of his weight is literally fat. Um, mm. He's 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 a overweight guy. He's remarkably strong. His giant mm. muscles, obviously, but he's uh, um, he he kind of has to compensate because in order to move heavy weights, you have to be a heavy heavy person yourself. Right. So he kind of has like if you look at Hathor Bjornsson who plays the mountain, he's mm. like pretty ripped. Like he's got abs and stuff, but. Eddie Hall does not. Um, he should probably be about 300 pounds, 320 pounds, something mm-hmm. like that. So, and anyways, these guys are all like at their peak right now. And I've, I've been a fan of the strongman competitions for a long time. And there's never been like two, three, there's never been like three or four guys who could all win it at any time. Uh, Usually yeah. there's like one guy who kind of moves ahead or you might have two guys that kind of compete with each other. But any given year, one of these four guys could win. Mm-hmm the Arnold classic or the world's strongest man competition. And they've, they've traded back and forth, um, for years. And like, um, Eddie Hall is interesting because he's, he's been second and third so many times, but he just could never quite get there because he's quote unquote undersized. Um, but he's so interesting because he has, he set the world record for deadlift, which is, that's kind of like the ultimate lift is deadlift. Um, he set the world record at a thousand pounds. Um, a few years ago and he keeps breaking it. He's all the way up to like 1100 pounds. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just, just, I'm so fascinated by the sport because it's, these guys are in ridiculously good shape, mm-hmm. but it's really bad for you. Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you sh- you should not be lifting a thousand pounds. Right. You shouldn't do that. Right. It's bad for your joints. It's terrible. And, mm-hmm. but, and just like they have to eat like 7,000 calories a day. Jeez. It's just incredible what you have to like, literally eat, sleep, breathe, and live the sport. Because if you take a break or you slack off in any area, you're not going to win. And it's just amazing what these guys do. And that's amazing that one of them is in his forties. Yeah. Still doing like that. Cause like you said, like joint, like, at what point is he going to start deteriorating? Yeah. He, he lifted almost, he did lifted almost a thousand pounds with a slipped disc in his back uh, and had to take two years off, but he won, he won the Arnold classic that year. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So does the documentary, like, is it, are they like, are the four of them like the subject of it? Is yes. It following if, all of them. It's cool. Yeah. It follows each one of them while they're training in their respective homelands. Cause they're all from different places, which right. I think is also very cool. Um, and then well, it, one of them's from freaking 
Westeros. Yeah, from Westeros, pretty much. I mean, Westeros. it's where it's where they Iceland is where they film like those stuff at the wall. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's that's where he's from. Um, but yeah, it's, so it follows them through the training, and then uh, it follows them through the actual Arnold Classic competition. Okay, um, which is just a grueling, grueling thing. Um, but really, like I said, it's, I think it's an incredible thing to watch. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's I just I find it so fascinating, and the documentary is just really cool because. Um, it really shows like the sacrifice that these guys go through and like just how competitive they are. Um, like when, when Eddie Hall, like almost every time he breaks the world record for deadlift mm-hmm. as he's doing the lift, he gets a, no- he gets a nosebleed and his, oh, his wow. nose starts bleeding and he looks like he's about to explode. It's, Jeez. it just blows me away. Cause I remember deadlifting 400 pounds when I was in high school mm. and I was like, this is just like the pinnacle of weight. I think this is so fucking heavy. Like it's just unbelievable. <laughs> and he's like almost tripled that. And I'm God. just, I just can't imagine it. It just blows me away that a person can do that. Jeez. It's really incredible. And there's the, the, the most remarkable thing is that there's these four guys are all competing at the same time. Um, it's just, it's really, it's a really unique time for the sport. And that's what this this documentary focuses on. So nice, and that's called Born Strong. Born Strong. It's on Netflix. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. It's cool. Um. Cool. Uh. It's funny because I don't. It's gonna sound. I don't know. Not creepy, but like I was looking at your letterbox and I was looking at your stats page. Mm-hmm. Um. It's funny because like if you scroll down, it shows like the the most popular film you've watched, the first film, the last film of the year. The most obscure is Generation Iron Two for you. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one wasn't as good as the first one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, and also speaking of letterbox, I forgot to mention this at the top. We're still doing our giveaway for a free pro membership. Um, so if you, uh, want to be in the running for that, go ahead and send us either an email or Facebook, whatever, uh, DM us on Twitter or whatever. DM me because Tiny doesn't really get on Twitter that much. Yeah, I don't. Um, it, with a link to one of your reviews on Letterboxd and you'll be entered into the drawing. We'll probably draw that this weekend, um, and announce it ne- in next week's episode. We've already got a couple submissions. So. Awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, what's on your list next? So I want to go on a rant here. Okay. <laughs> because, and I, like, this is something that when you and I recorded our letterbox potpourri last week or last a couple weeks ago, um, I, once we were done recording, I was like, oh, I wish I would have had the opportunity to talk about this. Okay. But it, it's a TV show. So <laughs> House of Cards. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So I think it was season six came out, which was the final season. Is it six? Um, I want to say it is. Honestly, so House of Cards, I, no, it was definitely not five because, um, House of Cards, like last season, okay, yeah, this was season six. Okay. Uh, last season, season five, I was not a fan of, um, really about since halfway, about halfway through season four, I felt like the show kind of lost its balance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then season five was the first season with these new showrunners, I think. Uh, Bo Willeman had left the show. He created it and developed it and, and, uh, or developed it for, for American television. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these new showrunners, I felt like they didn't have a grasp or the new, whatever they did in season five, I feel like they didn't have a grasp of what made the show so compelling. Okay. Um, it became more about uh, interpersonal conflict and not about the power struggle of, of Francis Underwood and, mm. and 
him being president. I, I don't know. It just felt like it lost something. It wasn't as conniving and interesting and compelling. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So season six, um, it's of course the last season. Um, basically for, you know, if everyone knows at this point, but, uh, Kevin Spacey was, um, removed from the show while they were in production of season six, because, uh, it came out that he was, you know, he was a predator and, uh, uh, sexually assaulted people throughout his career. Mm -hmm. Um, so he was, what happened at that point is that season six was underway. Um, Underwood, um, <laughs> uh, season six was underway. They, uh, stopped production. They announced that it was going to be the last season, which I think was already kind of the plan. Um, and then they fired Kevin Spacey 100%. And then they, uh, after a few weeks or after a certain amount of time, I think it was like six weeks, they resumed production of season six on a shortened season. So every season is 13 episodes, but season six is eight episodes. Okay. So, um, having said that, they, what I will say, um, I respect Netflix for doing what they did in terms of firing Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. because even though House of Cards was his vehicle, like his, that was, Honestly, had this not, had this all not happened, had he been a decent human being, um, this would, this show would have been his legacy. um, Yeah. And, in in terms of his career. Um, but I, I respect Netflix for recognizing that, you know, he is, he's not deserving of that mantle or he's not deserving, like he's, he, I feel like in retrospect, I feel like it wasn't necessarily a, like, oh, we need to cover our asses kind of thing on Netflix's part. It was like, no, this is, you know, terrible, terrible person does not deserve good things. So right. it's done. Plus, you have to keep the safety, keep in mind the safety of other people who work on the show. Exactly. I mean, he's literally a predator. Like he it, would. Oh, yeah. Didn't he, was he found guilty of actually harassing someone on this show? Um, well, th- that phrasing, uh, he was, it was reported that he assaulted like a, a, a an assistant. Okay. Uh, groped an assistant and everything. Okay. Like he he hasn't had any. There isn't any criminal proceedings or anything. Like okay. That. Okay. But um, but that was after like Netflix did like a an investigation. Like they interviewed everyone on the set, or, like everyone involved in the show. Okay. That's how that came out. Um. So, all of that preamble is to say that season six, I. After first of all, after season five, I was like, okay, I don't really have an interest in even watching the show anymore mm-hmm. because it just didn't, it wasn't captivating to me anymore. And the way season five ended was just really like it made no narrative sense at all for the characters. Yeah. Um, and it's it was setting up season six in just a really weird way that I just wasn't into. But all that stuff happening with Kevin Spacey, I was kind of. I was just morbidly curious. Like, how are they going to end? How are they going to have a, a final season of a TV show without its star where the, where the co-star, the co-lead Robin Wright takes over as the lead, the lead person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer to that is they had no fucking clue what they were doing. <laughs> it's, it is a, it is a train wreck of mythic proportions. Wow. Um, it is so like it feels so lifeless. 
and so just dull like the entire season like they introduce new char- they introduce some new characters um Greg Kinnear who I think is a phenomenal actor and Diane Lane hmm. they play a uh, sibling siblings who are kind of part of this powerful family I guess and they kind of butt heads with um with Claire throughout the season and there's there's some st- I don't even freaking remember <laughs> um it just what is so frustrating to me is like they okay and and it's not I guess it's not, technically not the writer's fault that much because they were under the gun they had to re they had to scrap an entire season they had to scrap their entire arc that they had planned out and they had to rewrite it from scratch without including the the lead character of the entire series um and to their credit they do not like Kevin Spacey is out of the show like yeah. there's no like you would like in those circumstances like you could see them doing like a like a body double like from behind kind of thing right. or like trying to work around it that way they don't do any of that it's like Kevin Spacey is is not involved like his character is not in the season and his like not even like a sound alike is used or anything like there's part of the plot in 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 the season that involves audio recordings of Francis Underwood and like they don't even do like like some of the some of the dialogue that's part of the audio recording is like dialogue that he said in the show mm-hmm. they don't even they don't even use audio from previous seasons like they have a character basically reciting what they're listening to wow yeah it's like it's that deep and I'm like I I respect them for doing that yeah and like that's that's pretty cool nice but Holy crap, they the writing is terrible. Like none of it's compelling. Damn. The um this isn't I I don't it's not a spoiler, but <laughs> there's no payoff at all. Like mm. the way the show ends, like I'm gonna have to dance around this, but it's like I honestly feel like I watched half a season of television. Dang. And arcs that were established in in the first few episodes or in the first five seasons of the show are left completely unresolved damn like they're like it's like they it's literally like they were writing the season and then they're like okay well now we have eight episodes let's go to episode eight and then they did they wrote episode eight and they're like well we don't have to write anymore like not (laughs) like writing it as the series finale but just writing it as like okay we're done we're done for the season jeez um it's it is so so frustrating and such a such a disappointment because the show started off so strongly. Yeah, it did. Um, and also to that point, and this is not not veering into spoiler territory, but it's kind of it's kind of touchy there. So if you don't want to be mildly spoiled, I, well, I don't know if I'd say that. But if if you're nervous about that, check the show notes or skip forward two minutes. But the title of the show is House of Cards. <laughs> Right. Um, that makes you think that, you know, the end, like your lead, it's leading you to toppling the house of cards. Right. That's the analogy. <laughs> yeah. It, nope. No <laughs> topple. No topple. Damn. There's no, it's, it's so weird. It's like, um, <laughs> let me try to think of it. Let me try to think of an analogy. Because it's like if you were watching, it's like if you were watching Breaking Bad in the whole series, 
he's just a teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he never cooks heroin or cooks, yeah, heroin. Meth. Uh, meth, meth, meth. That's right, meth. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Why did I think heroin? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, because Jesse was hooked on heroin. Anyway. Uh, or he was hooked on meth. I don't know. Anyway. Wow. God, I need to rewatch that show. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and yeah, that's an exaggeration, but it's like, it's so, it's so stupid. It's so disappointing and frustrating and. Wow. Yeah. And also to kind of, to kind of put into context how, I, I don't know, how, I don't know. Like at this point, I'm, I'm kind of just blase about the show as a whole. Like, yeah. I lost interest in it, but like, I, the reason why I watched it was because on one hand, I was genuinely curious of how they were going to write out Kevin Spacey and how they were going to have that affect the season. Um, and also the other part is like house of cards is kind of important to me. Hmm. Um, I honestly believe that if house of cards, if, if house of, if Netflix never made house of cards or if they launched their original programming with some other show that wasn't, that interesting or if they kind of stumbled out of the gate instead of having this kind of prestigious show come out, there is a very good chance that you listener would not be hearing us talk for 258 episodes. Yeah. Like I do not think that the obsessive viewer would exist if it wasn't for house of cards. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is because I started the blog because I was interested in, you know, Netflix creating a new, like creating original content and everything. Cause that was just unheard of at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that obviously snowballed, but like, and so like I have that kind of sentimental attachment to house of cards, but I just haven't been emotionally connected to it at all. So in the last like two seasons. So that is really a shame. Yeah. Are you going to watch it? I'm going to just, yeah. I, I, have to, I have to finish it. I just, yeah. Even though it sounds like it's not very conclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I have to, I would be very interested to pick your brain. Okay. Um, once you finish it. Okay. Um, God, it's so, I have one thing I will say though. And, uh, this is, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Campbell Scott, who he joined the cast, I think last season, mm-hmm. uh, that dude's voice is just so like amazing. Yeah. Who is he? Um, Which... he played uh, in this. He's the author. No, that's Tom Yates, played by, um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name from Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, I can't think of his name. Um, no, uh, Campbell Scott is, I think he was like an advisor in season five and then season six, he's the vice president. Okay. Um, he does the narration on Audible for The Shining. Okay. Um, and just his voice is like, he has an incredible speaking voice. Okay. So that was at least. That was, that at least made this season mildly interesting. Um, but it's funny because looking on IMDb, the ratings for each episode, uh, so, uh, the user ratings on IMDb for season six, uh, there is not one episode that has a user rating above, uh, or that, uh, n- uh, um, above 4.7 out of Whoa, 10. Yeah. That's bad. In the series finale, <laughs> Has a use IMDb user rating of two point nine. Crap. And like people on Reddit, like I saw that they were they were comparing it to, not even necessarily comparing it. They were they were saying that this episode, this series finale, has dethroned How I Met Your Mother in terms of terrible series finales. Whoa. And I one hundred percent agree <laughs> because as much as I and we are on record with 
hating, hating, hating the series finale of How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. They at least knew what they were doing. <laughs> they were doing the wrong thing, right? But they had, and I like they knew what they were doing. They had a plan. This is just a non-ending. Damn. So anyway, that's House of Cards. It's on Netflix. Eight episodes. It's kind of a like you'll at least get through them quick because you won't give a shit about anything that's going on. <laughs> wow. So yeah. So anyway, that's my rant on House of Cards. Okay. Yeah. What's uh What's next on yours? Crazy. Well, uh, I'm gonna jump over to television as well. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna talk about Bob's Burgers. Nice. Uh, which has been on the air since 2011 uh, on f- uh, <laughs> on Fox. <laughs> um. Uh, Paige just like randomly started watching it on Hulu, mm-hmm. um, and I like sat down and I I wasn't very receptive to it. Sure, and it took me a little while to warm up to it. But once I did and like really started to understand the characters and like the characters, I really started loving the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 to me, the whole the the show works so well because of the characters. Yeah, like the plots are just these really silly, dumb things that like. <laughs> Like they don't want to get rid of their couch because they have this old shitty couch and like they love it and they don't it like it's a stupid premise but it works so well because the characters are so nutty and like yeah. off the wall. Um, How and far have you gotten into it? I don't. I think we're on like season five or something. Oh, okay. Um, we've been nice. we've been like flying through it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a half hour comedy, so yeah. you can knock it out. But um, yeah, it's just man. I think I think this, it's just a really. It's just a, it's one of those things where like, I think when you have a cartoon like this or an animated show, you have to have these really solid, um, rounded characters who, you know exactly who they are and like they really carry the show. I feel like The Simpsons is the same way. Like yeah. it's not about the plot, it's about the characters and like how you mm. put them in something that's either very ordinary or very ridiculous and they just are themselves. And that's what makes it crazy. Um, and that's what makes it funny. Uh, I, I really struggle to pick a favorite character. Yeah. Because they're all so funny and they all work so well together. Um, but I think the character that makes me laugh the most consistently is Gene. Nice. Just because he says the dumbest shit. Yeah. Um, like there was a one episode where he, I like cry laughed <laughs> for like 20 minutes even after the episode was over with. They were, trapped or stuck somewhere and they needed to like make a phone call to like get a hold of the police so they could get out mm. but the whole time gene had been on the phone with the radio station trying to win tickets or something like okay. that but they were they were like in a life or death situation and he was using up the phone's <laughs> battery trying to win tickets to a concert and uh and like bob finally takes the phone back and like tries to call and he's like what the battery's dead and gene just goes all batteries die but that one actually lived <laughs> Or truly lived or something like that. I just like, I, I don't know why it was so funny, but I just died laughing at that. And that was like probably one of the, like the fourth or fifth episode I watched. And like from that point forward, I was like, all right, I got to watch this show now. Nice. And, uh, I mean, but all the, especially the kids, Luis and Tina mm. are just, they're both just hilarious in their own ways. Luis is one of the most interesting characters, the most yes. entertaining characters and like a, Adult cartoon, I guess. Absolutely. Um, also, I will say that Tina, I feel, is my spirit animal. So. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, I really don't have a lot to say about it. It's um, it's very quirky. I don't think everybody, it's not for everybody. Right. Um, it's not as accessible as other cartoon shows like Family Guy and The Simpsons. It's not quite as 
accessible or mainstream as those. But I think mm-hmm. that's why it's charming. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's good. So, um, also, because I've seen maybe three seasons of it, I think, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think like the last episode that I saw when I was regularly watching it, it just kind of fell off of it was, uh, um, Gene finds a toilet that has like an AI in it. And it's like a play on like ET, but it's a talking toilet or something. Oh, I don't know if I saw that one. Okay. Pages yeah. watched some of them without me. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, it's something just really off the wall and ridiculous like that. Okay. But, but yeah. But H. John Benjamin voices Bob. Like yes. He's, he's phenomenal. I, you know, I would say I think the most talented voice work is, um, uh, the mom. Yes. Linda, uh, Lynn, mm-hmm. um, played by, it is Linda Belcher. Um, no. John Roberts, played by John Roberts. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know. I feel like that's, that's the best voice work to me. It's like the perfect like mom voice. Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. It's like it's so, it's so it's it's so great as a very specific type of voice acting. Totally. Um, just really great. I, I, yeah, I need to I need to get back into it and watch it. Totally. Um, are you still using my Hulu account? Yeah. Okay. That's how we're watching it. Yeah. Nice. On your Hulu account. Nice. Yeah. yeah just curious because. You know. Um. Yep. Nice. So yeah, that's Bob's so Burgers. Burgers. I, it's great. Check it yeah. out. You, you might like it or you might not. I really don't know. It's like I said, it's quirky, but <laughs> nice. uh, I, I love it. I feel like I may have brought it up on the podcast at some point, like years ago. Yeah, I think you may have. Yeah, which is weird. Like, um, it's just it's crazy to me because it's in like I think it's in like how many how many seasons has it had? So it on, on since two thousand eleven. So I think they're like they're like their seventh or eighth yeah, season. Yeah, it's just. It's insane to me yeah. to think it's been running that long. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an episode. Oh, that's uh, oh, what's his name? Is it is it Teddy? Uh, the is he the mailman? Uh, he's like a handyman who eats there every day. Yes, has a really weird voice. Yeah, he is one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah, it's he's so great. Uh, the voice work on that character also is great. Totally. Um. But yeah, so so yeah, that's Bob's Burgers, and, and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's next on yours? Yeah. Uh, so let's see, you have one more? Yes. Okay, so I have two more, so we'll sandwich it. Okay. Um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes. Yes. Coens. So the Cohen brothers. So uh, full disclosure, we were we were potentially going to review the movie, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like I kind of sprang that on you, like yeah, at like. 10 o'clock on Sunday night. Yeah, it was late. So, yeah, so I'm like, so, I mean, if you can get a chance to see it, maybe we can review it. But if not, we'll just do extended property. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and also, I didn't mention this team, but it's like two hours and 15 minutes long. So Right. It's not even like a quick watch. Paige wasn't having it. No, she, really? I don't think she'd like it either. I don't think yeah. the Coens aren't her thing. Well, that's, it's, it's interesting. So do, are you aware of like how, like what the movie is? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like vignettes of yes. Western vignettes kind of. Yes. Yeah. So it is a collection of basically six, I think, um, short stories, basically, that are, it's the kind of, it was rumored to be developed as a TV show. Like, it was rumored that they were developing a TV show for Netflix. But they've actually, like, cast and crew has come out and said, like, oh, no, it was always conceived as a movie. Hmm, Um, Okay. But it's, I mean, it's kind of just... I don't know. It's kind of up in the air about what the actual um, inception of it was. But anyway, so it's basically these six 
stories that are not they're not interconnected at all. Like it's all just it's all standalone stories. Oh, okay. Um, about different people like living in the old west. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a story about a gunfighter or uh, kind of a uh, yeah a gunfighter and uh, played by Tim Blake Nelson. He yeah. like that's the titular Buster Scruggs. It's the first story of it is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. They interviewed him on uh, NPR about oh, it. Oh yeah, I heard him talking about it a little bit. Nice. Yeah. He has such a. This is gonna sound kind of just I don't know crappy, but like he has such a unique look to him. Yeah. <laughs> and playing that character is just so he's so. It's so out there. Mm-hmm. Like he is. It's like his persona doesn't fit the character, but it's like intentionally so. Okay. Um, and it's very entertaining. Um, so anyway, so like the first story is him as a gunfighter and he's like kind of, uh, going through, going through a town essentially. Um, and then there, there are other stories obviously, but each one kind of tells like a different aspect of the old West. Like there's one where, um, uh, James Franco plays a bank robber and uh there's one with Liam Neeson and the guy who played uh Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter movies. Oh wow. Yeah, who uh basically it's a sideshow kind of kind of story. It's like Liam Neeson takes care of him. The guy who played Dudley in 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 this movie has no limbs and so he's basically he's a performer oh, okay. in a traveling like sideshow. Um and it's just it's it's interesting because some of it's comedy, some of it's kind of more drama. Um, like the one with, uh, that, that, the one with Liam Neeson and I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who played Dudley. Yeah. Um, that, that vignette is called Meal Ticket. And it's, a lot of it is just, uh, no dialogue, long stretches of no dialogue, just them living their day to day life. Um, very engaging, very interesting. Hmm. Um, while on the other hand, like, um, <laughs> uh, the one with, I don't remember the name of the, ti- the title of the story, but like the one with James Franco is like kind of comedic. Um, cause he get it, it, kind of comedic. I'll leave it at that. Um, and then the one with like Buster Scruggs is very comedic. There's one with, um, Zoe Kazan who, uh, where she is traveling in a caravan, um, I'm not gonna make a joke. Um, traveling in a caravan to Oregon, and it just she has to make some very vital decisions about her her life. Essentially, and it's very kind of deep and profound. Profound. I love her as an actress. Oh, she's and she's amazing in this. I can't I imagine. Like so. she's she's really good. Nice. Um, but yeah, and then uh, so it's like two hours and fifteen minutes. The, Visually, it is, it's very stunning. Like, there's some stuff that's kind of, I think, purposefully, um, over the top in terms of a visual technique. Like, there's some kind of weird special effects in a weird way. Hmm, okay. Um, not to give anything away, but like, there's, there's some weird, like, visual flares that I think are intentionally, intentionally over the top. But also, I think I read that this is the first Coen Brothers film that they filmed digitally. Like not on actual film. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's it's very interesting because it's in term uh, in like the cinematography. I feel like it feels like a majority of it is like overexposed. Like it's very vibrant and like there's a lot of light in it. Um, and it that kind of has a weird because usually that would like kind of stick out and be kind of 
kind of jarring, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's it more accentuates just the beauty of the like landscape and the vistas that are on display in the movie. Okay. Um, and then the, like I've only talked about a few of the stories, but I won't go into all of them. Like by the time I got to the last one, I just I kind of was done with it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, honestly, I don't even really remember much about the last one. I kind of feel like I want to go back and rewatch just that last one because it's like Tyne Daly, Brendan Gleeson and a bunch of other people in like a carriage that are going to a destination. Right. It all takes place inside the carriage. Yes. Yeah. I think I heard about that. Yeah. One. And then like, I, like at that point I was just like, okay, I'm kind of over this. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another one that I want to mention. Uh, it's a, a prospector um, who he's just searching for gold. And it's like another one of those things where like, it's just him by himself and he's, he's searching for, he's doing a little, little pan thing and he's searching for gold, talk, kind of talking to himself mm-hmm. and it goes to an interesting, in, some interesting places, but it's all about that character and it's about that person and like just the wide open, like vast, like nature around him. Okay. It's really kind of stunning. Nice. Um, so yeah, so, so at the end of the day, like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, I was pretty favorable for it. I, I liked it. I kind of, I think I rated it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. And, uh, I stand by that. Yeah. Cause I mean, some of them worked, some of them didn't really work, but overall it was pretty interesting. Okay. Also, it helps that I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 a lot. So it's <laughs> kind of like primed for it. Nice. Um, but I will mention also that the kind of framing device of it is that, uh, there's no, they, there's no like, frame story or anything it's like it starts out with like it's a book and like a disembodied hand is like opening the book to different pages for each story okay and that's kind of what separates each story is that you, you go back to the book you see like a picture um and then he turns here she turns the page and you see the first page of the story and then it goes into the story gotcha and just the, just seeing the illustrations on that and the type like the typeface of the like the font and everything on the pages and everything, I kind of wish that uh, that they would make that book, because <laughs> um, I would I would love to have it and read it because it just looks cool like the kind of it's a tactile kind of like look of the of the book that I really like. So. Okay. Anyway, um, nice. so yeah, so that's about a Buster Scruggs. I'd be very interested to hear what you thought of it. Yeah, I, I am. A, I mean, the Coens are basically my favorite filmmakers. Yeah. And they're amazing. Like afterwards, yeah. I was like, "Oh, I need to watch. I need to watch everything that they did." <laughs> nice. Like I need to watch like everything. I need to watch. Trinket. Yeah. I need to watch. I still haven't watched. I, I say they're my favorite filmmakers, but I still haven't watched the. Uh, oh, I don't remember what it's called. The music. Oh, Hill uh, Hill Caesar. No, I, I haven't seen that. Oh. Um, but I heard that was kind of okay. Yeah, it was okay. Um, no, the one with Oscar Isaacs where he's a musician. Oh, Inside Lou, uh, Inside, Inside Lou Davis. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't seen that yet. Wow. I know. And I really need to. That's when I, I, I like when after I was like, I should really re- rewatch that because I wasn't yeah. too crazy about it. Mike loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah, yeah, it's available on Amazon Prime as well. Is it? Okay. Yep. Cool. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's the Battle of Buster Scruggs. It is on the Netflix. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your last and uh, my last one? I don't have a ton to say about it, but okay. I feel like I should comment on it. Uh, is sure. Solo a Star Wars story? Oh yes, I finally I'm, watched it. Yeah, because I've got things I could say about it. Go ahead. Really? Okay. You, you rated? What was your rating? Like four stars? I gave, I gave it four stars. Interesting. Go ahead and tell me about it. And yeah. I'll tell you why you're wrong. Okay. Yeah. You. You <laughs> probably. Kidding. I'm sure you will. No. no it's no. um. I think it was. 
th- that rating is the result of timing. I think I was just okay. in, in the right mood for the movie mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and I really have a hard time bashing something that Woody Harrelson's in. He's like one of my favorite actors. Sure. I just love him. Um, but I don't know. I, um, I think I was just in the right frame of mind for this. Um, I really just kind of loved seeing all these like classic moments from such a classic character that we always just heard about. I loved like seeing them. Like I loved seeing Han Solo making the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. That's so go ahead. Yeah. And like, and I loved, I loved him meeting Chewie and gambling with Lando and like, like I knew, I knew all these things had happened because they're mentioned throughout the original trilogy and stuff like that. Um, and so like, I, I don't know why I just enjoyed seeing them so much. I just really did. I was like, Oh, this, he's about to make the castle run at 12 parsecs. Like, I was always about to see the Millennium Falcon for the first time. Like, I don't know. It just, for whatever reason, it just tapped into that nostalgia. Wow. And I've never been a huge Han Solo guy either. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people are like, Oh, he's so cool. He's such a cool character. I love how. How badass and like, you know, ladies man and all like, mm. he, I've been like, yeah, he's, he's a good character. I like him, but I've just never been a huge fan or anything. Um, but it just, it just, I don't know. It's, it hit that nerve for me when I was watching Interesting. it. Um, and I genuinely thought like, like the train heist was really incredible to watch. Mm. Um, some of the other, uh, some of the other heist, heist type stuff was really interesting. Um, and the, I, I liked some of the voice work as well. It was really good. What did you think um, of Alden Ar- Ehrenreich? He was fine. I feel like he's, no, he, I mean, I don't even think this is, you can like subjectively say that he's better. He's, he was as good as, uh, Harrison Ford. He's not, he's not as cool as Harrison Ford. Right. He just isn't. Um, I don't, I don't think he quite tapped into the, cool charming talk his way out of anything han solo i don't think he quite hit that level um i think he did okay i i actually enjoyed the love story between him and uh emilia yeah kira emilia clark um i actually enjoyed that quite a bit um i think it was a little bit predictable Mm -hmm. but i I don't know i just i bought their chemistry quite a bit um but i think emilia clark gave the better performance Mm -hmm. um yeah he was he was fine he um I think they could have picked somebody better who's a lot cooler, mm-hmm. um, or just kind of has that cool factor. I'm not trying to shit all over Alden and Aaron Reich. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he, I think he was fine. Um, it's funny because he was actually he was in Hail Caesar. Was he? Okay, yeah, that's, I think that's like what his big break was. Okay, okay, but well, I ended up liking a lot of the other characters or the other performances more than his. Okay, I'll say that. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I just it just worked for me. Um, I I liked it more than Rogue One. Oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. Liked that's it more than Rogue One. Um, slight tangent, but apparently, and I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I've got this right. Um, they announced that because Disney's coming out with their own streaming service. Do you right. This I'm all in more. Yeah, Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in addition to having a TV show, a Star Wars live action TV show called The Mandalorian. Right. Starring, is it Pedro Pascal? Yes. I yeah, believe, I think so. Yeah, which I don't like. I'm on. I just at this point I don't care about Star Wars, but I kind of yeah. care about that show. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then I think that they just announced a second series that they're going to have. That's going to be, um, uh, um, oh, uh, Cassian from Rogue One. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. What is that actor's name? 
I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be him. Okay. Um, in it. But anyway, that's interesting. What do you think of Paul Bettany? Uh, he the character was just very one dimensional. I think, mm-hmm. um, and just like he was a a pretty standard villain that wasn't that deep or interesting. Yeah. He was fine. Do you know the the story behind that character or like his casting? Mm-mm. Um. I think, and I could be wrong. I'll I'll find a link to a more detailed information. I'll put it in the show notes. But originally, that character was played by Michael K. Williams. Really? Yeah, and he shot like he shot. He did his part. Like he he did everything. But I think when uh, Lord and Miller left the project and Ron Howard came back on, mm. they were doing like extensive reshoots and everything. And I think that Michael K. Williams couldn't like his schedule wouldn't allow it. Oh. So they had to recast him as Paul Bettany. Dang. So yeah, so we almost had Michael K. Williams. As That's a, a shame. Character. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my understanding of it. But anyway, uh, can I shit on the movie now? Please, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting because I, like, we came at the movie at different, different angles, I guess. Mm-hmm. For me, I could not care any less about the Kessel run, really? about him meeting Chewie, about any of the stuff because I think that it's, it's indicative of like, my kind of problem with Star Wars as a as a franchise is that they're just kind of just playing in their own little sandbox when yeah. it's an entire galaxy. Like branch out for the love of God, do something that isn't like this little piece of of the story that's spanned now eight nine movies. Right. Um. It's just and it just like I was like I couldn't care less about any of the 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 story or anything the backstory okay um and then also i just felt like i was not engaged with really anything that was going on like the love story was okay but i kind of felt like han solo as a character like and i've thought about this a lot like i don't think he really goes through an arc (laughs) (laughs) like he starts out as kind of a roguish kind of kind of guy and then he's he's kind of already the kind of like devil may care kind of character that he is in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then like the lesson he learns is that he should just continue being that. Right. <laughs> like it kind of it didn't work for me. Hmm. Um, the train heist I liked a lot, but it also felt like, and I, and from what I understand, this isn't the case. But for me, when I saw it in the theater, I thought. Uh, this feels like they meant for this to be the big action set piece at the end. Oh, but they had to move it up because they reworked the story. Yeah, that's um, true. I'm I'm like 90% sure that that's not the case, but that's just how it feels when when I think about it. Okay. Um, that and also like the the kind of climax of the movie, like it felt so like the comparison to be made is is Rogue One. Um, mm-hmm. And like the ending of Rogue One is like, it's a big, like military operation and it's like espionage and like this, the, the, um, resistance going into, going into uh, the Empire's like stuff to steal this stuff. It's like a big scoped thing. And then here we get like, like a, like a blaster fight in like a room. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of felt just really muted and not that interesting. That's true. Um, Donald yeah. Glover as Lando was the standout of the movie. I yeah. adored his performance. So did I. Um, 
Yeah, but uh, I don't know. And like at a certain point in the movie, like, and I apologize for the repetition of this, but at a certain point in the movie, like it wasn't like a, a specific point. Actually, it was a specific point, but not because of it. But like when they go onto the yacht for the first time, and it's where he meets Kira again. Yeah. Um, when they show the like little alien doing the canteen, like kind of cantina esque song. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just saw that, and I was just like, like something just like a switch flipped in my head. Like I'm not a Star Wars fan. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm never going to be a Star Wars fan. Okay. It's just. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this is, I think it's just like this, this franchise, this series is never going to be what I, not what I want it to be, but like, it's never going to be something that I can latch onto as a fan. Okay. Um, like no, like to each their own, but it's just, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, and just because of that little aliens, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and it, and, that and then there was uh like like there's there's a bit and we'll talk about it off off mic because I don't want to spoil it or anything but there's like a big moment toward the end of the movie that like when I saw it in the theater I was like sitting there thinking like I should be floored by this like <laughs> this should be this should be the coolest thing and I was just like I literally could not care less about this <laughs> um at all like and it's. Uh, it was just such a weird thing. And then like, I like this anecdote I told on the podcast before, but <laughs> I saw it with Kirsten, uh, on like a Saturday and I had already had tickets Sunday to see it with Fekus and his brother, Peter mm-hmm. at the IMAX downtown. And like, I was like, after seeing it with Kirsten, I was like, how can I get out of seeing this again? <laughs> like, cause, and like, I, I think I like, I think I looked up to see, can I cancel a ticket? <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Like no refunds at the IMAX, but I was just like, I'm just going to see it again. But Dang. I didn't, it just, it didn't do anything for me. Okay. So, and that's fair. I can't really give you friction on yeah. any of those points. Like I, I think, I think if I had watched this movie in a different attitude with a different mm-hmm. attitude, maybe, or something like that, I don't know. Like, if you I think, were an I think asshole it, like me, no, I think it was a timing thing because I I totally agree with everything you said, but yeah. for some reason the the positive stuff and the that nostalgia just trumped all those things. And, for I, me. and I totally get that. Like, yeah, it at at multiple parts of the movie, it is by all accounts, it is a fun movie. Like mm-hmm. it's very fun. I just don't need the origin of how he met Chewie. I don't need the origin of his blaster. I don't mm. need <laughs> there there's a theory there's a theory that I've heard that um because Phil Lord and Chris Miller were originally making the movie Phil Lord and Chris Miller for those who don't know did the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street 22 Jump Street mm-hmm. so they have made a career out of kind of like taking on projects that are kind of like on paper you wouldn't think would work like oh a movie about legos um right a reboot of 21 jump street that no one's asking for <laughs> yeah. but they take that and they subvert it by making it like kind of more tongue in cheek and they have a very specific brand of humor that they do like 21 jump street is very much like in your face like like jokey about it as a concept um lego movie is kind of the same way too so like there's the theory that I've heard that people have said that what if what if they were making solo that same way? <laughs> like what if they were doing like in like a prequel origin movie 
but they were going to do it tongue in cheek and everything. And, and, and maybe that's why, of course, none of this is cor- like able to be corroborated or anything, but what if like, that's why Kathleen Kennedy took them off the project. Uh, and okay. the biggest thing, uh, the biggest like kind of feather in the cap of that theory is how he got the name solo. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. That was really dumb. Like, unbelievable like i was just like rolling my eyes yeah and i kind of like like the theory is that like maybe they were maybe that was a lord and miller thing and like their intention was to be like oh like like kind of winking at like oh origin stories right but it's so stupid um yeah that didn't work yeah i will say that some of the war sequence like there's like flashes of like war sequences like there's one like nighttime like like war sequence that is like visually like uh, outstanding mm-hmm. um and i wish that there was more of that but you know whatever. yeah didn't they spend like almost 300 million dollars on this movie probably yeah i think i remember reading and i was like they spent 300 million dollars yeah. on a han solo movie like <laughs> what the hell it, it didn't feel like it yeah well i think a um, lot of that was split between the reshoots and everything oh okay because um because i think when ron howard stepped in there was like I, I I don't know the numbers or anything, but there was a considerable amount of the movie that was already shot. Okay. Um, the rest of the movie had to be shot and they had to rework the script, I guess. Wow. And then also they had to reshoot some stuff. So gotcha. I didn't realize that. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be my top 10. It's not, mm-hmm. I don't think it's not going to be an honorable mention either. Uh, okay. It's, it's not going to be that good, but I just, I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and not to, not to shit on Star Wars fans, and I'm, I don't mean to do that, but this is more shitting on like internet journalism. <laughs> but there was, uh, like if you, if you're on Twitter and fo- like follow film clickbait, okay. uh, because what they do is they retweet like clickbait articles and like they'll do like, like, uh, like they'll retweet it with a quote and ju- they'll just say what, what it is. So it's like, so it's like, oh, uh, like some news site will be like, oh, release date announced for, uh, for Aquaman. And then they'll retweet and put December, whatever, so mm-hmm. that you don't have to click it. Yeah. But there was, uh, I don't know why I really brought that up, but there was an article from like Screen Crush or Screen Ran or some, some website that was like, well, this is what solo, like the, the origin of, um, the, the dice that were, that were shown in the last Jedi is finally revealed in solo. And it's like, not really. No, Cause he just really. has them. Like, he it's, just, yeah, it's a prop. It's, there's nothing, there's like not that much significance to them. Right. But yeah. So anyway. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's just life, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I hope that, you know, you continue to like it. Mm-hmm. Are you going to buy it? Uh, I didn't buy Rogue One. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and round us out. Yes. Uh, this one's going to be brief because I don't have much to say about it. But Okay. And I don't mean to end on such a negative note, but <laughs> I watched I Love You, Beth Cooper. Um, wow. From like 2009. Yeah, as I was say, didn't that come out a long time ago? Yeah. Um, Hayden Panettiere and yeah. Paul Rust, who Paul Rust was, um, he wrote for the newer seasons of Arrested Development and he also, uh, made love. Um, okay. Um, he also made love with Gillian Jacobs on Netflix. <laughs> nice. Um, the show love. Right. So anyway, um, 
the reason that I watch it is I've been listening to some comedy podcasts, specifically Comedy Bang Bang, and uh, I've heard like him on the podcast, and like I've been listening through like a backlog of episodes from like years and years ago. Um, and they reference like, oh, Paul Rust is in I Love You, Beth Cooper, and I'm like, oh, I like Paul Rust whenever he's on on the show. And uh, I didn't realize that he was the male lead in it. And like the movie is – the premise is that at their graduation, the valedictorian played by Paul Rust gives his speech and announces that he is in love with the most popular girl in school played by Han- uh, uh, Hayden Pan- Panettiere. Um, and so it's just kind of the fallout of that. So going into it, I was like, oh, this is going to be such a – like this. this is – the exact type of movie that I love, like a teen coming of age, raunchy comedy. And also like, I didn't realize this until I watched it, but takes place in one night. So oh, like, cool. hits all of the boxes that I'm, I'm into. Unfortunately, it's terrible. Like, Oh man, it is God awful. Like <laughs> the characters are so over the top and it feels like the, it feels like they, when they wrote the script, they made the characters over the top and then they tried to make the situations even more over the top. Mm. And it's just, it's like, uh, it's supposed to be like, oh, wild and crazy night, but it's like, oh, that's a felony. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's way too over the top. Like, like how, like a good example is like, um, a house gets somewhat destroyed. And it's like, there's no, like, there's no, like, consequence to it, or there's no fear of consequence to it. Like, the characters don't comment on, like, how, like, oh, they just drove a, drove a car through a house. Like, (laughs) they're going to be in trouble or something. Like, there's going to be repercussions from it. It's just like, oh, just on to the next zany thing. Oh. Um, and it tries to kind of have some, like, heart in it, and it just didn't work for me, though. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't it was like it's like 10 years old so <laughs> i completely forgot that movie existed until yeah you said that me too i i saw it on amazon prime and then i heard it on the podcast and i was just like you know what i'll i'll give it a watch but as soon as you said the title i was like oh yeah wasn't that like hillary duff <laughs> i thought she was like yeah. yeah well the fun well not funny but the kind of messed up thing is that it i was so bored by the movie that I whipped out my phone. I was like, D- didn't Hannah, uh, Hayden here didn't she like, Oh, I was like, didn't she marry like a, like a Russian, like boxer. That's like Vladimir Klitschko, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And like that put me down a rabbit hole. That's like kind of, kind of depressing. <laughs> um, like no, 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 it's legitimately like depressing, like her life story. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like she, they're divorced. They're divorced. And I think he is raising their daughter in the Ukraine and she is now in a relationship with a guy who uh like there's rumors that it's a very unhealthy relationship and that hmm. like the police were called like in October to his parents' house where like I think his dad and him gotten into a fight while Hayden Panettiere was there hmm. and like I don't know, some some kind of altercation, but it was kind of muddled. But like that made me go even deeper that um there was a rumor that uh Hayden Panettiere like and again, this is not corroborated or anything, so I I don't mean to cast aspersions or anything or cast uh, you know, slander her yeah. or anything. But there like there were rumors and like internet like anonymous posts and stuff about uh how 
supposedly, allegedly, she when she was a she was a child, she was kind of like involved in a like Hollywood sex prostitution ring. Oh my god. Yeah, and like there was a there was an anonymous post on like I don't know if it was on Reddit or somewhere that it was like like went into detail saying like oh this this particular person was like the madam of of this thing and like they would have like a coffee table book that would actually be like a like a clientele breakdown and people would like pick which one they wanted and stuff. Jesus. And like they would go to like uh I don't know if they said the United Arab Emirates but like they would go like go to different countries and like just kind of, you know, prostitute these these girls out and everything. Jesus. Yeah, and like um yeah, so it's it's just it's really it's really depressing. Jeez, so, I didn't know all that. Yeah. Crazy. And I love you Beth Cooper is not a good movie. Okay, so, <laughs> gotcha. <even> more depressing. <laughs> um but yeah, so anyway, um yeah, sorry to turn this into a gossip podcast. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, also, that anonymous post on online, like people were like presuming or like internet sleuths were trying, were deducing or they were like they were trying to make an educated guess of who it was. And like people were saying, like, oh, it's Robert Downey Jr. I don't, I don't know wow. why they thought it was him, but, huh. but yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's funny to me, like, um, <laughs> just the thought of like, like an actor. Like sitting down and writing out this long tome of just terrible insider information and stuff, and then going and shooting the Avengers. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Yeah. Um. Huh. Yeah. If it was him, I don't know. It could all be fake, and she could have had a happy life or something. Yeah. Know. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. So sorry to end on a downer, but yeah, really. That does it for Happy that. Thanksgiving, guys. I know. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys need like a topic of conversation, you know, talk about Hayden, Hayden Panettiere. Yeah. You know, being involved in prostitution. Jesus. Um. So yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening to Happy Thanksgiving. Um. Once again, um. If you like the show, go ahead and rate us on iTunes and everything. But also, you know, check out Patreon. You know, support us. That would be cool. Yeah. Um. We're going. What we're doing is like I conceived the um private RSS feed for Patreon subscribers as like a place for me to post like just the occasional um commentary track that I record just myself. So there's like three commentary tracks, but I think what we're going to do is in addition to that, I'm going to hopefully do that at some point again. But in addition to that, each, each time we record an episode of the podcast or, you know, when we feel like it, when, when we record an episode of the podcast, we're going to record like 10, 15 minutes of just us talking about something randomly and throwing it on the Patreon page. So we just did that for this one and we're going to hopefully do that again. So kind of more incentive for, you know, you know, you to check out Patreon. So yeah. Cool. All right. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. Also final, final thing is uh, I just added a link to the website at obsessiveviewer.com that goes directly to the uh, um, T public store. So just go to obsessiveviewer.com and click merch and that'll take you to where you can get shirts and mugs and stuff with all of our logos and embroidered on them cool yeah so all right anything else tiny no i don't think so all right i think next week kirsten and i are going to review a bunch of movies we've seen in the movie theater including overlord firstman um it's first man um okay and uh i think we're i think we're gonna see widows i'm actually really excited about oh that. cool yeah it's funny have you seen the trailer for widows yeah okay there's 
I'm going to bring it up when we talk about it too, uh, when me and Kirsten review it. But uh, Daniel Kalua in it? Yeah. Like in the trailer, he does not speak. I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast before. I don't think so. Like there are bits in the trailer where it's just him like staring menacingly at people. Yes. Like he's like standing and like he kind of, he's like chewing gum nefariously. I've noticed that. Yeah. And then there's another one where he's kind of like, like looking into someone's eyes and like kind of cocking his head a little yes, bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the joke that I make every time that Kirsten and I see it at the theater, uh, is that, like, I just, I really, really hope that the movie, like, like the, he goes the whole movie without speaking or anything. And like, he's obviously supposed to be like a tough guy, kind of like, it looks like kind of muscle guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just love the idea. What if at the end he's just like, you better give us the money. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming after you. <laughs> I just, I think That's that that would be stupid. a perfect, perfect surprise. <laughs> We're going to yeah. fuck you up. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was in black mirror. Hey, get out. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> we love Daniel Kaluuya in this Yes, podcast, yes, so. we do. All right. Well, that, that does it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Check out Patreon. Check out merch. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks. I'm going to take a sip of water. Okay. Do you want anything to drink? Um, I think I'm good. I've given up, uh, like, I haven't really been drinking much soda, like, hardly at all. Um, and it's made me so much better hydrated. Like, I'm just not thirsty all the time, like I was before. I bet. Yeah. That must be nice. Yeah. Well, I was in this bad habit where I was getting, like, like a Red Bull or a Monster or something like that every day. Oh, yeah. Instead of, like, coffee and just horrible. And so, like, I quit doing that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, ironically, I I still drink a Monster, but it's a different, it's like their hydrating drink. Okay. Um, it's like has energy kick to it, but it's like, it's like Gatorade. Okay. That reminds me of the, of Parks and Rec, the bit where, um, (laughs) they're talking, uh, it's the soda tax episode. It's like the first episode of season five. Mm. And, uh, like, I think it's, is it Ponchburger? Uh, like Leslie's talking to a representative from Ponsberger saying like, like the whole tax is like, they need to, they need to, they need to change the amount of sugar that they sell. And it's like, uh, they talk about like the baby size drink, which is a ginormous, like it's the size of a baby. (laughs) Um, And then, and then they're like, well, we also do, we do offer, um, uh, (laughs) <laughs> we offer for people who don't want that that level of sugar or anything uh we do offer water zero unless <laughs> he's like yeah, let's talk about water zero um you would think that it has like zero calories and zero sugar and that it's water but uh-huh. it's actually uh zero is actually the amount of water that's in it <laughs> god so that's silly yeah Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. 
If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes. And like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. <laughs>